never ever gonna get it. Oh, you're never gonna get it. Never ever gonna get it. Welcome to We Hate You, a podcast by nosy cunts for nosy cunts. Join us, your gracious hosts, Alex and Alexandra, as we rummage through the bins of loners and shut-ins. Today we're doing something a little bit different, our very first mini-episode. Hurrah! Yes, in a break from tradition, we're going to discuss where we sit on the spectrum of hermitry and explore our own reasons for turning our backs on the world. So if you're only here for historical facts and celebrity gossip, Get off my bus. Get my pub. <laughs> so Michael Finkel, who is the author of The Stranger in the Woods, the story of the life of Christopher Knight, the North Pond Hermit, who we shall do an episode on. Yes. It's quite interesting. He made the following claim. You can take virtually all the hermits in history and divide them into three groups. Protesters, pilgrims and pursuers. Oh, I like that. So... We have those who retreat because they cannot or will not cope with the demands of the modern world, as we see in the example of Hikimori, a new generation of Japanese recluses who we must look at as well and definitely will. I saw a really good um, documentary about that. Yes, I'll send you that. Um, Whose societal anxiety leaves them confined to their bedrooms and who choose only to engage with others on virtual platforms. And examples of a pilgrim category would, of course, include monks, nuns and mystics, like the Gnostics that we covered as well, who shun external distractions in order to achieve spiritual enlightenment or a more direct connection to the divine. Lastly, the pursuers would be those uh, whose intellectual or creative pursuits necessitate working in strict isolation. I'm thinking of the classic trope of the tortured artist in their garret, a scientist sequestered in their laboratory, or a writer who requires long stretches of solitude to allow the inner voice to come forth. All of this has got me wondering where we would position ourselves on the imaginary Venn diagram of these three categories based on our own reasons for being recluses. So, Alex, which are you? A protester, a pilgrim, or a pursuer? Or a Mm. combination of all three? I think... I mean, it's hard not to say you're a bit of all three, eh? Mm. I mean, you can me. I don't really like categories and labels and that. Mm -hmm. So, I'm trying to kind of... Let it know. Let's pick one that we are mostly then. Okay. Yeah. Now, what one includes the mentally ill? <laughs> <laughs> the locked up by other people. Oh, God. Yeah, What's I suppose that wouldn't be classes as recluse nah. because that's involuntary, isn't it? Although, I mean, there's a, there's a um, Buddhist nun that I listen to. She's called the Venerable Rabina Corton, mm-hmm. who you should look up, everybody, if you're interested. She is a... She was, she started She started off being angry at everything in the world. I think she was, she said she started off being angry at black people, ri- eh, sorry, black people, <laughs> <laughs> white people, rich people, any kind of, any, any oppressor, really. Eh, eh, and then for her as well, eh, eh, men as well. So she ended up being a lesbian separatist, um, not a Maoist, but kind of really, um, Trotskyite almost. She really, really just kind of wanted nothing to. And then she realised that 
she can't just kind of go about being angry at everything and everybody. She wondered what that, where that urge was coming from. Mm. And I suppose it must have been, I'm guessing now, it must have been coming from a kind of a, a distaste for any, any kind of injustice in the world. And she had to think of a kind of a bigger way of dealing with that. Uh, that was greater than the, the smallness of categories, maybe. Um, so she became a nun for that reason, you know. Uh, so that kind of brings in some of these things together. It brings in the idea of yeah. protester and 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 um, and pursuer and all those things. It kind of brings them all together. So I, I do understand that. I think for me, uh, I would say fifty percent. Not to want, um, not wanting to be in a world that I think is horrific. So fifty percent protester. Yeah, and then <coughs> fif- then fifty percent. Um, what was the pursuer? Mm-hmm. Because I need an awful lot of time to think, read, and write, and think being the the, the kind of greatest of these. Actually, you mm. know, I mean to kind of unpack things and to put, pull things back together in a way that um, makes things uh, seem a wee bit more true and I'm not pretending to myself, not coming up with something, not coming up with a reason that seems uh, purely subjective to be suspicious of the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I have a wee bit more kind of like objective um, suspicion about uh, why it's not really a very nice place to be so or why it's why it's not working why why it is the way that it is why reality is the way it is why Mm. we interpret reality the way that it is but then that moves into the other idea of being like a monk or a nun or a kind of more spiritual pursuit as well because i am dedicated to that too i I would say i mean mean, who would call themselves a mystic very actually i do know somebody that would Uh that um david kaim smith that the that mind a he um, published, published his that, book, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as you know, and they do exist. I mean, I don't even know if would he call himself that. He is called that. Uh-huh. You know, he absolutely dedicates uh, his whole life to um, trying to understand, grossly ca- caricaturizing um, his his uh, project, but essentially to try to understand how it appears that something comes out of nothingness. Mm. Right, or something, somethingness comes out of emptiness. Um, so yeah, all of those things. But uh, I wonder then, what would be the main one? Because you said you said you know fifty percent protest. Yeah, but then I was also going. But then I was thinking while you were saying that I was like, that's not leaving any room for the the spiritual. But I was also going to make a joke and say, and fifty percent that. All right, because we don't do maths. No, but I thought in my brain, I thought, yeah, adding that extra 50, that's a funny, and Mm -hmm. I I, I couldn't mind. Because I'm not going to tell a lie, I've had a wee drink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've actually had literally a wee drink. It must have been about five millilitres, Mm -hmm. maybe 10 millilitres of um, a beautiful red that Alexandra has has, has crushed with her own fine feet and brewed (laughs) in a cellar. Uh, Yeah, so... But I'm going to pick one, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as my dedication to writing, really. Okay. And that has been the... Reading and writing, right? So that has been the case since I've been, like... Since I could read and mm-hmm. write. Mm-hmm. So since, like, what, five, six? Yes. You know, I've enjoyed the kind of being... Uh, 
in that world of the imaginary. And what you can do, really in my obsessions, always the strange and wonderful and limiting and freeing things that you can do with words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you find then that, that uh, would you call that escapism then? Yeah, but to a more real reality. You know what I mean? Well, for me anyway. Uh-huh. So it's escaping a, a, a world where people talk about the pricey mints and, you know, what colour. Yeah, I mean, and everything can be read as not true. I really believe as above, so below, so that, that um, everything is symbolic in that mm-hmm. kind of, in that sense. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fundamental to that person. So it's not, it's not um, a silly thing. You know, no, enough but I've like, just got different concerns. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, you could read into that. Like if somebody is talking about a subject that seems trivial on the surface, like the price of things and stuff like that, yeah. that's actually just a surface it's always revealing. Of, of communicating yeah. a deeper anxiety or a deeper concern. Always. It's yeah. always revealing and it's always true. Like uh-huh. it's not like I think that, that, that that's um, irrelevant. I really don't. And I can enter into that and, I'm, and, and I, I, you know, because otherwise it would seem like you were... I, th- I see things as equivalent, uh-huh. you know. It's we're just we're we're reaching towards each other and to um, things in our mind through the symbols that are words. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm always interested in how people do that and the symbols that we have access to as well, because yeah. a lot of people, you know, it's about how we communicate and it's about the the words semantics that mm-hmm. we choose to use for that. And I know some people who they only seem to speak in these kind of surface level terms mm-hmm. because that's what they're comfortable with that's their habit almost mm-hmm. or that's what they've been brought up with but it's really what they're trying to say or what they are saying mm-hmm. is they're communicating something a lot deeper i think so i think i always find people that people that are speaking on that level it's hard to define what that level is right mm-hmm. let's just what what would it be an everyday way of you attempting to feel comfortable and to make other people feel comfortable. Yes, uh-huh, yeah. You know, because... It's a comfort thing, aye, definitely. It's about, it's about avoiding saying anything too revealing. I mean, and that's it's very... A fear of vulnerability a Yeah, lot of and time. it's very cultural, culturally specific, you know, yeah. because, like, you do sit at a bus stop in Glasgow and people will tell you about their um, s- siblings' cancer medication and... You know what I mean? Uh-huh. There, there, there can be... Um, a, a real openness about things about things that 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 does happen but generally speaking with to keep things on an agreed upon surface polite level eh? and i've mm. never i've never really been able to do that maybe that i mean th- the thing is the, these these things that we that, that i'm describing as my cons- i described as my my concerns and the things i'm interested in there may be weaknesses as well you know they come from places that are they, they're, they're strengths for me based on weaknesses in other areas maybe yeah, it's you know, like it's about your um I forgot what it's called, your your function and what is your area that you underfunction in. Yeah. Thinking about those bloody um Enneagram personality tests. Oh, yeah. Things. See, but act I can walk Or the Myers Briggs thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. There but there are certain situations and certain conversations. More situations, because as I say, I can speak about anything, yeah. right? And I enjoy that. I can, I'm the same in any circle. I know people say that, and it's such a horrible sentence, but I am the same in every in, in every situation. So am I. Yeah, I know. See, I mean, that's, to my detriment. Mm-hmm. Quite well, a lot of time. 
I've just discovered, I've just realised, or I'm quite happy to admit that that's the level of my water. You know what I mean? It's kind of that's where I am. Yeah. And uh, again, if, whether it be a strength, or, I think it can only be a strength if there's not any badness. In it. I mean, if you found out that you were coming for a position of being a cunt, yeah, you know, then fucking talk to yourself and, and do some work. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I'm not. That's just me. Lump it, lump it or like it. I'm the same in every set. I didn't even mean that. You can't handle me at my worst and you don't deserve me at my best. I always think try harder then. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I hope... Stop being such an unpalatable yeah. critic. I know. I, I, it's, it's, it's an excuse for being an unexamined asshole. Yeah. Where I think that I am tra- trying is the, is the operative word, right? There is, there is um, intention behind trying to be a better person and trying to be one who can communicate uh, openly and lovingly and compassionately with people. So that's on every level. But while still being true to yourself. Because that, the thing is, I really believe that that's who we are anyway. I think that is being true to yourself, you know? I think we are all trying. I think, I mean, maybe Trying's I'm too good. generous, but I do think that everybody ultimately wants to be understood mm-hmm. for who they are. And uh, uh, hopefully, like, a better version of themselves, where our limitations are only our limitations, you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, and, and if I don't, you don't want to inflict them on people. You try to, you try to heal them or examine them or figure out why they're there. But that again is that we were speaking about it earlier on. That's the 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 that is, I suppose, the examined life, you know. Mm-hmm. And it does take time, and it's and it may be harder for people. I really value um, intellectual labor, or let's call it even spiritual labor or emotional labor, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that you can put time into these things. Now, if you're very fucking poor, you can't. Eh? Yeah, and do do you think that then? circling back to the reasons for being a recluse then mm-hmm. um would you say that part of your reasons for you know spending a lot of time on your own is because of your preoccupation with trying to understand the self and trying to better the self yeah i think so but i've also i think i've also i've also been indulged you know like since i was young uh my parents have been very they, they've whatever I was interested in mm. uh, whether that was a solitary pursuit or kind of it was rarely anything involving groups but whatever it was they supported and would like celebrate you know what I mean so when, when I was very young that was that was um, poetry and writers groups and shit like that mm-hmm. and they so there was the sociable thing of getting together and all that but most of it I mean, which is not as interesting for me as the work itself you know what I mean it's not like I've never been one of those people that does things in order to get a pal or a boyfriend you know although saying that I did st- I did think studying art history would get me kind of like a sexy clever toff well, like the whole reason why I went to art school <laughs> was because my art teacher, when I was at sixth form, said to me, oh, go to art school because There's you'll a lot find... of fanny. Yeah, you... well, there was a lot of fanny. But Fannies. She... <laughs> but she was like, you'll, you'll definitely find a really hot boyfriend who's on your wavelength. <laughs> and I mean, that was all that needed to and be said. And it didn't happen. And I was doing my application right then and there. And Looking I for you, yeah, yeah. boys who <laughs> my, can paint. My UCAS application read like a Tinder bio. <laughs> no, and then the gag of the century was that I don't think I ever had sex with anyone at not. art school. Well, I, I mean, the art history. I, was, I thought about um, 
jet ah, I've always got you know that Johnny Mitchell song. What is it? Is it Willie is my child? He is my father. Willie, I think it's called Willie. Oh, but um, <laughs> Willie's. But I think uh, yeah, and it's this kind of really romanticised idea. Of, and I did meet one actually, a romanticised idea of an artist that's that pro- probably um, autistic and um, living in a shithole without any curtains. You know what I mean? Mattress on the floor vibes. Yeah, but just quite hot, you know. So um, as long as as long as as long as that mattress is burning, <laughs> then it's good. But um, so I probably had a bit of that in my brain somewhere, thinking, and I, and I was going to go to art school, and then I just realised I was much more interested in speaking about art and thinking about art than actually making it. Yeah. I rarely got that. You know that. To go back to what we're, I mean, we are talking about all these themes, but but like to go back to that kind of hermit thing, that you know that little kind of zoned out drone where you're both thinking and not thinking, and you're very present, and you know like when you're putting up a hem on a like hand stitching something, or you're just in a kind of weird middle zone. I think there's a there's there's a brain frequency. I can't even remember what it yeah, is. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But that yeah. thing that happens. Uh, I get when I write, you know, and I rarely got it when I made it like by making. I mean, using that art school parlance when I was painting or doing something creative with my hands. Otherwise, I rarely yeah, get it. Yeah. I do, I do with weird, repetitive things like sewing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, but I get that when I write. Interesting. And it's addictive and it's enjoyable, and uh, so I, d- I decided to go down that route. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did also hope that I was going to get a bit of fucking fanny. And, well, by that I mean penis. Uh, but <laughs> Or fanny in the American sense, which means ass. <laughs> but uh, it was just um, upper middle class. Um, a lot of it was just upper middle class uh, girls. I don't know what, what they were doing. I mean, finishing school, isn't it? Ish, and it's a shame to say that. Is. Well, art history doesn't need to be that because like, it can also be like the theory and method bit where it's kind of highfalutin philosophy you know what I mean mm. you're doing a lot of thinking but you can kind of scrape through it by having a kind of I don't know I knows about your auntie's kind of like lesser impressionist paintings and you know what I mean you can yeah. get you can or that and just you don't you don't need to have an you don't need to have an original thought mm-hmm. uh, you can you can do it just as like a I suppose which is a main element of what it is, the historical, um, archival, raking through things, bringing out inf- biographical information, all that kind of and stuff. Which a lot which, of people do do it for those. Yeah, reasons. I mean, and that's that, but that was never the reason I was interested in it. You know what mm. I mean? I mean, at the beginning, there's always that little bit, but I really don't give a flying fuck about the the artists themselves. I really care about what they make and why they're making it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what hooks me. But and that's what takes to me. It takes more time and more thought, mm. because with each person, then you're having to figure out their worldview and their philosophy. So it's without relying on biographical yeah, detail. Yeah, because it's cheap, you know. And there's always, there's, there's always it's always going to be coloured by biography, right? Yeah. Of course. But Context, you then, I but you don't so. stop there. No. You know, that's that that's like that's your introductory paragraph. Born and blah blah blah. I mean, I, I, I didn't write like that, but you know, mm-hmm. it's your intro. It's just your way into. To the it's giving your brain chewing gum before you start thinking the real thoughts. Can I like that? I actually like that. Thank you. But um, <laughs> yeah, so no much ass 
in the art history department at Glasgow University. Um, but uh, did meet one autistic hottie from the art school. An autist I, But how fucking, I mean, I really pitied all you's lot. I used to look up and think, Oh, that must be that. Be, they, they must be fucking all the time, and they're no, no but a sexless a bunch sexless of drones. Sexless environment. I know. Oh my god! I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. So, are they too busy sublimating into their artworks? I don't even think it was that. I just, I don't know what it was. Now I'm going to ask you then. What um, you've just done a really politician-y thing and kind of not really answered the question. No, well, I think a bit of them all, but definitely I would be. You're a pursuer. Yeah, whatever, in whatever way that comes. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, I love. I think you and I. I mean, anybody listening, you'll know this. Um, it can take you a few months to finally come up with something that's just a bit of a truism or a cliche. You know mm. what I mean? That feel that feels right. You've fitted it into your... Maybe you've just fitted it into your worldview uh, in, or, in order to kind of properly understand. It takes time. Now, I'm, I'm in no rush. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, I, 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 and, and I really value intellectual, as I said, intellectual labour, which poor people like me are not supposed to have access to. Mm-hmm. You know, like... We need to say as well, it's much easier to be a rich asshole in a fucking garret uh, that doesn't need to go out for the milk or make money, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's many, there, there are many of them that make, kind of, or were, I mean, there's a history of it, that made mediocre art for for two, three hundred years, you know, and a kind of lionisation of, of the, the artist in the garret. It's harder. I suppose poor people have maybe been given craft you know, mm-hmm. but then it's always had to pay, hasn't it? You mm-hmm. know, like if whether that whether that be knitting, baking, and whittle, whittling doing would work in the in the the hut at the bottom of the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good when folk do it just for themselves or for the love of it. Uh, I love hearing folk that are that are into weird stuff like that. Uh, it's much more. I think it's much more useful than it is um, doing something that sells. Yeah, there's. Because you're doing it for the love of the process. Yeah, for the soul. And for the soul of it. And for to get into that mental state that you were talking about earlier, that's like in between thought and not thought. Mm-hmm. And it's a certain type of work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a valuable type for, for in order to live and thrive. Yeah. Uh, in order to feel that your life's got some use and value rather than how it is valued. I think that... I was thinking about that today and I really need to find some kind of a hobby like that for myself because... It, it took me years, I mean, because writing became a job for me, etc. Uh-huh. Right, it's, it's taken me um, like the last three, four years to properly get into my obsessive collecting of perfumes. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which doesn't make me any money mm-hmm. and is absolutely for me and is a solitary pursuit and is some absolutely fucking adore mm-hmm. you know uh, but that I'm 46 it did take a long time if, I think like you being working class we a lot of things that, that we do have had to pay for themselves or something yeah or you kind of you can't look at something without also assessing its financial value yeah. in order to justify the time you spend on it because or how much you spend how, how much, much money you spend, you spend on, it. on it exactly like even though 
I went to art school and I've always been, you know, drawing, painting since I was a really little kid. And it did bring joy to me. It must have done because mm -hmm. it's all that I bloody did apart from reading yeah. as a kid. Um, but now as an adult, I really, really struggle to, to do it because I can't just, I feel like I can't justify the time and the money that I would have to spend on it in order to be really good at it. Honestly. Yeah. Well, that's a sh and well. It that takes means you all don't all of the joy out of it for me. And but then that means you're it. not valuing the thing that gives you secret individual personal value. You know. But I can't separate my personal value from it um, because I'm always looking at it with the eyes of an imaginary audience, a critical, judgmental eye as that's... well. So you've, no, but you do make for yourself. I think the only way that I could get past that is if I made stuff for myself and never ever showed it to another living soul. I, I do understand that, but hey, I think there's still, I mean... It's the same that, with writing. I, but that's where, that's where, to me, that's where the value is, you know. The idea that there's a, there's a novel, that somebody's worked on a novel and they've left it in a drawer and, uh -huh. you know... And, oh, how terrible and all that. Well, no, no, not how terrible. I think, who gives a flying fuck if it's, it's been out in the world? world? No, or, or and if it is, there, there, there are two different things. Uh -huh. It can be the same thing that has two different purposes. I only, that's, I was going to say I only ever write for myself. That's not true. When I, when I was writing art criticism, I used to have an imagined audience in my head because I really just wanted to make my pals laugh, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So I had, or, or kind of laugh or at least snort and I hate I and I hate art that makes people laugh and snort actually uh, I, I I just think it turns you into a fucking grunt and pig right but it's the way that you are looking at it look the way that you're interpreting it and writing about it if that makes somebody laugh or like a knowing tit air or snort or something then that's good because it means that they're on your wavelength aye and to, to, to I liked what I liked was taking people somewhere and then immediately kind of like throwing them a curveball you uh -huh. know what I mean so whether that it, it was just always about playing with the idea of making people feel safe and secure and then bam yeah you've taken it in a, in a slightly different direction and that I suppose that's just the joy of writing because it's about the joy of the unexpected within what you're doing right mm -hmm. so there was that so I did can I did write for other people, but I've written fucking I've written two novels that that nobody's ever seen and nobody probably will, mm -hmm. and I feel great about that. Not not the fact that people if I decide to show them to somebody finally then good, but they will not it will not make me feel better or worse whether they're seen or not seen whether they're liked or not liked. And you don't have this kind of burning itch that you know you're sitting on these things and they're they're not being appreciated no, and they're not being seen by It's anybody. not my access to being valued, the th yeah. that that type of thing. You know, yeah. now it is for some people and that's and that that's a driving force for some people. Uh -huh. My driving force in that situation is the act of doing, you know. I think that's really pure and I really wish that I could access that myself. Maybe I would. But it comes and goes. Aye, listen, you're but a child, right? You're a young thing. It does, no, but it does come and go. You know, if it's not like it's there all the time. Uh, uh, I've had to, even, even having the conversations with my mum, We've been we've spoken about things that I do or that inverted commas I'm good at and all that and there's she's her first thing is always 
oh, and you could sell that and, and do that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a work. It is a working class it's thing. It's a working class thing, exactly. Yeah. And or you'd be good at that and do. Or you could. And, and I'm just like that ain't my fucking thing. That would kill it for me. I yeah. well, my nephew um, said the same thing. He's wonderful. Uh, mindful the things that he's done at Dark Towers in the Hyde, yes. where he's put up the shutters and all that shit. He's fucking. It's like cabinet making, right? He's just a. It's like point. Is that the phone's growling at Bibi? I don't know if that's Bibi. No, because Bibi's not there. That must have been the phone's. I think he was growling at her. Um, we are actually in uh, Alexandra's house that, um, that, uh, as we record. Yeah, that is that. I knew he was up to something. Mm-hmm. Fonzie! Yeah, I'm growling. What are you growling for? Stop it. So this is when the two podcast pets are meeting for the <laughs> second time. So we've got Fonzie. But he can't be barking at her because they've been baby. fine all day. Baby's kind of shut behind the French doors just to keep them apart for now until they acclimatise. We need to get a name for your... I was thinking the other day, we need to get a, a, a name for your house. A name for my house? Well, we'll think on it. I did have one as well and it's went right through my silly head. I can't remember. Well, it'll come back and you can but, blurt it out. Yeah, so we were saying... Um, oh, God, God, God. Yeah, the fact that the, 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 the joy that we can get for something and how it's harder to access it. Or how it's tainted a bit if you're trying to make money out of it all the time, yeah. and you're you were talking about trying to get um to get into that zone again of just finding joy for making something for the making sake or for the process. That's something you that know. I really, I've just kind of been thinking about a lot, ruminating on it a lot because living on your own, yeah. as you know. You do think about these things and it does kind of force you to shift your focus inward for better or worse. But remember, this is just new for you. So, mm. I mean, you've not you stayed on your own before. Never. Right. So it is new. And I've got um, um, another friend of mine's just moved into a place on his own. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is new. We should speak about that. Mm. Um, but then when I started staying on my own, that was about 19 years ago. Right. Right. And so you're fully in your groove now. Yeah. I mean, you you'll start loving it very, very quickly. Right. It does. It takes a wee bit, and and then you do fi- see what, get, what used to give me joy more than anything. This is just an image, right? And it's indicative of of um my kind of way of getting into that wee that wee thing that we're talking about that wee zone. The idea of padding about at night with the curtains shut all the doors locked a wee bit of music on two or three o'clock in the morning in the kitchen making pancakes right just because mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. and just no, no tired and just deciding oh I could go a, a wee fresh pancake like a wee you know like a ah. wee dropped scone, scotch pancake type thing and getting up and just kind of having a wee plitter like that and a wee cup of tea with that nice kind of low light your breathing's changed there's no noise in the whole city uh, and just some other wee vibe takes over uh-huh. and that was the beginning of me going ah get it yeah you know and what I was going to say to you as well those those moments where uh, um, maybe I'm going, I'm going through a wee kind of dry spell creatively or not creative but just I've not I'm not in that zone right cooking and baking is always the thing that kickstarts me right it's particularly baking because there's there's a lot of concentration and uh, and a lot of rewards. But then that's when I just... That's I, when you get fat. I, well, I, that's usually... I'm, I bake the most when I'm fucking skinny and I just... I'm feeding all my neighbours. 
we've not uh, I've not asked you, so I did kind of answer. So why do you th- why do you think what 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 um, of those three options, which were protester, yeah, pursuer, pursuer. and pilgrim, yeah, do I you think? think um, for me, oh, I think probably the, the the main one for me is the protester because. I've never really liked being around a lot of folk, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm probably not unusual in that. Um, being in a crowd is my idea of hell. Aye. Um, being, you know, on the high street on a Saturday afternoon, <gasps> you know, um, walking behind slow walking mm-hmm. assholes is my idea of hell. And I find that when I'm alone with my thoughts, I've got enough. Um, I can come up with enough reasons to to hate the world and everybody in it <laughs> without having an interaction with it. Yeah. Um, and then when I am around people, it's just it just triggers me even more. It gives mm-hmm. me more reasons to to fester and to fume and. Um, so it's to get out. It could be to get away from being triggered by pricks. Yeah, yeah, and I find as well because unfortunately i've got to go out and work every day and interact with a lot of people um because my work environment is probably i'm not going to say what it is but it's probably one of the busiest and most dense concentrations of people tesco checkout tesco checkout could you mean i work in the jails and the jails Um, i would love to work in the jails um, so I find that I'm forced into constant interaction with people. Not all of that is negative. Some of it's really positive. Can you um, zone out? When I'm in that environment. Mm-hmm. Can you still be on automatic? Bonzi, come here. Can you be on automatic? Can you be on automatic pilot and still be pretty convincing? Um, no. Right. So you are given it. F- you're fully present. Because given folk. you're 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 on stage effectively you're performing constantly um you're the object of attention constantly she's um, a backing singer for um, james brown dance now um so it's it's not as though you ever get the opportunity over the course of the working day to zone out and relax and be alone with your own thoughts so coming home to an empty house after that is such a relief Mm-hmm. And you don't get the same relief if there's somebody else in that house. No, no, because then you're still an object of focus for somebody else, or you've got to take somebody else into account all the time. You're never just living for me, mm-hmm. thinking my own thoughts, doing whatever I want to do. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, do you? I hate the phrase, but. Um, it's pro- do you people please then? So if you if you came back into a situation, and there was somebody there, do you automatically give them the, the all the attention that you were given, and consideration that you were given in your work environment? Do you then do the same with that try person? Not to. I end up doing that. <laughs> but I, I end up kind of going, okay, now you're the focus. No, no, because I resent so much having to be constantly on all day. Um, and meeting people's needs all day that I would then come back and almost go into like child mode where mm-hmm. I'm very stubborn and very like no I'm going to be selfish now because I fucking deserve to be Aye. and obviously that isn't very 
conducive to positive living arrangements with another human being. Yeah, especially when they're maybe going through something similar or who knows, yeah. you know. But I, my problem is I tend to kind of think that, well, what I do is immediately go, how are you? What's going on with you? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And make sure, try to make sure that they feel heard and seen and listened to and, and all That's that type of thing. Ah, it is, but um, it's also very fucking exhausting. Well, if you do it automatically, you don't realise you're doing it. So um, it's only a long time after it that you, mm. you realise that, oh, wait a minute, I just did that for a whole fucking six years in my last relationship. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? So is that, is people people pleasing always sounds manipulative to me. And yeah. I don't mean that. No, I just... it doesn't have to be. Well, it's a kind of defence mechanism as well, people pleasing. And I think that I'm a recovering people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very consciously aware of when I'm doing it. And I'm trying to learn how to not do it when I'm on my own. You think, well, if there's no people around, then I can't be a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. But then... Because I haven't relaxed into this whole living alone thing, it's still relatively new to me, I still have this kind of um, external critic or this like superego that's telling me, right, you must do this now. Now it's bedtime. Now you must... Do you know mm-hmm. what it's like? So this, I've externalised that voice that is controlling my Aye. routines mm-hmm. and imposing a routine and there really doesn't have to be one I could get Aye. up in the middle of the night and make pancakes Aye. if I wanted to mm-hmm. but I'm not allowing myself to Yeah, oh, it, it comes you know and then you find your own beer rhythm anyway so going back to like my reasons for being a recluse sounds quite similar to you in the sense that this is just all that I've known mm-hmm. since childhood and I had similar parents to yours by the mm-hmm. sounds of it in that they supported. supported and indulged whatever weird little proclivities that I had which were very similar to yours as Aye. well so I just loved reading writing drawing really solitary pursuits yeah that didn't involve and my parents would be very grateful for this that wouldn't involve them driving me to any clubs mm-hmm. or buying me like equipment or whatever you know, anything like that, yeah. like paying for me to go on trips places. No. As long as I had a regular supply of books, mm-hmm. pencils, paper, I was in my little room, in my little hide, and they could just completely leave me, neglect me, because I would be <laughs> perfectly happy, you know? And it's like, you know that book, The Secret Garden? Yeah, oh, right? I've been thinking about that, that a lot just now. That was so formative for me, because... Mm-hmm everything about that that was a little world and that's what I kind of inhabited and that I, I weirdly think about it now even I think because I finally got a garden and it is like a little enclosed gorgeous it's thing it's a little enclosed gorgeous thing it's going to become even more so um but yeah it's just that disappearing into your inner world that's not something that you can really do if you're surrounded by other people and I mean even though I do have a brother. I didn't have one for the first six years of my mm. life, by which time my personality was completely formed. Aye. Um, a, little, a little cute weirdo. A little cute weirdo, and I've stayed like that. And, <laughs> and I never really liked hanging out with, you know, going to other kids' birthday parties. And so I found that actually, I mean, I don't want to say traumatising because that's making light of actual trauma. But 
I know what you mean, but... I found but... it overwhelming. I found it fraught with the possibility. I used I... to cry every single time I used to go to another child's birthday party. I would It would end up with me crying. and Because you hated it. I was just so overwhelmed by everything. For you, overwhelmed? See, for uh-huh. me... Well, the thing that overwhelmed me about it was... It just all used to... Most of the time just used to look so silly. You know what I mean? Mm. I was... I must have been a very fucking... Se- I was. Hey very serious kid I was and all a that. very serious definitely kid. but like decent fuck it's not like that sounds like we're some kind of dull no that's I mean it sounds like they go hand in hand and they didn't necessarily oh. I mean I, I loved a, a absolute seriously fucking seriously fascinating yeah and a total <laughs> fucking carry on and all that and madness mm-hmm. but um, I just I, I used to look at kids and think how are you entertained by that you know what I mean mm. by their fucking by their pursuits I thought I was an existentialist at a very early age. I must have been because I was. I, I remember looking and thinking, that entertains and fascinates you. Yeah. You know, and you're you're doing that like you mean it, and to me it looked like bad faith. It looked like they were kidding on, uh, in order to kind of make it bearable. You know, yeah. in order to make life bearable. Where I'm walking about, kind of going, the sky is falling. We're all fucking dumb. Interesting that that was your response to that and I think that's probably a more mentally healthy response is to look at them and go you're kidding yourselves on here whereas I would look at it and think it was you I would think there's something wrong with me because I don't get it and nah fuck that you know and then I would feel really really shit about myself even at a really young age because I just felt there's something intrinsically wrong with me because I, I can't relate to any of this um, so therefore it's a me problem mm-hmm. you know and I think I mean, so you're, when not you're, to get deep but I think that's I've carried yeah. that on well I think Mike we spoke about it something similar the other day um, about about we were talking about why people cheat in relationships right uh-huh. and I absolutely 100% totally believe it's the fucking cheater's fault right just simple as that it's not based on you can be as thin as gorgeous as buff as rich as fascinating as whatever you can be the ideal right whatever and it does not matter because people do these things based on their 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 own shit and their own limitations so i've never ever felt if anybody cheated on me that it was anything to do with me right because you're unlovable or unworthy i mean the unlovable thing is diff- slightly different, right? Well, that comes from but, a different place. Aye, but, I di- but the idea of, in inverted commas, externally having attributes that weren't good enough, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, has never, I've never got stuck there because, well, I'm quite with all my emotions. I am very logical. And uh, as we spoke about that day, I said, I've, we've seen, we've all seen, through through the, the through the tragedy and, and dramas of of um, pop culture, the richest, most beautiful people in the world getting cheated on, yeah, uh, or whatever, right? So there's no relationship between how externally or how supposedly perfect you are mm-hmm. to um, to if you're going to be cheated on or not, you know. So, but I'm I'm relating that to the idea that. I thought it was other people know me that there was something the matter with, 
Right, so I do, so that does come from Which I think is so healthy because then you're not compounding your I misery thought, with self Yeah, and it's not because I thought I was brilliant or wonderful. I was just equally as, as um, desperate and, and striving as everybody else. It's not, you know, it doesn't come with wonderful self-worth necessarily. No, it's not you being grandiose no, or it just came. it just came with a, a kind of realistic awareness that this, if I was being true to me, right, and if, if, if I was truly um, looking at what I had to offer and what I was doing and what I was coming up with, whatever, mm. then uh, how could that be wrong, you know? And also, like, do you not think that self-blame is a form of um, your ego as well, being, maybe well, you're being too egoistic because assuming that everything is to do with you assumes that you're in control of everything of or course. that everything somehow relates well, to you. Well, it's definitely sadomasochistic, but it's, an, it's also an aggrandisation of the ego. It's the same way with people that, have, that are um, like introverts and all that kind of carry yeah. on. I'm like that. You know, the pushy shy people, we've spoke about it before mm-hmm. as well. It's like you are not, nobody's that interested in you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you maybe pass, if you are very, and I'm saying lucky in inverted commas, you maybe pass through somebody's head once every once for two seconds every week mm-hmm. nobody is studying you yeah right and even when you feel odd and you feel you know whatever or not not well put together whether kind of like uh, physically or emotionally mm-hmm. uh, nobody gives that much of a fuck now that's maybe harder to deal with for people than the fact that they think they're the center of attention it's maybe it's maybe easier to think that you're important than the fact that you're not but then there's something quite liberating about realizing that you're not important you know it's weirdly it's reminding me of crowley saying he would walk down regent street or some street in london right dressed as a king and nobody would even look at him right so i'm guessing a big crown on and robes and london you know (laughs) and like so essentially well exactly right there's Mm. there's there's context as well but that then then that's magic as well right Mm. so it's it's like essentially he was saying it was like an invisi- invisibility spell but that was it's like nobody's that fucking interested mm-hmm. and that can be liberating or terrifying you know I find that really liberating well for actually. me it is mm-hmm. you know I've spoken to fr- younger friends that I-, I used to talk about the idea of the peanut gallery the idea that there's either friends or frenemies or whatever or even people that just out and out hate you eh, judging everything that you're doing you know that that part of the super ego that's very judgmental and, yeah. and, and very critical. I call that the, the peanut, and it is, I mean, it's, the, it's a kind of well-known thing, the peanut gallery, you know what I mean, eh? Like I know people what you mean, I've, not, cheap, I've not heard the phrase But like before, people but in, in the, the cheap, cheap seats, seats booing yeah, at you, yeah. you know? And imagining that... Waiting for your downfall, you know, waiting ah. for you to fuck up. And whether and they exist or not, you can guess imagine what? that it's it there. Guess what? It doesn't exist. It's, it's an, I'm, I'm get it's an externalised kind of, again, sadomasochistic relationship, right? It's an mm-hmm. externalised sadism, but it's really just masochism. Yeah. Because these people don't fucking exist. And even if even if they do, as I say, you barely, barely matter to them. Mm-hmm. So just get on with what the fuck you're doing and follow your fucking bliss and joy. Exactly. Because it holds you back. Mm-hmm. If, if, you can, if you think that there are certain things that you think would would be easier for you or would set you free or things that you want to do or that are interesting for you that you think other people would turn their nose up at or laugh at mm-hmm. uh, or have a you know have some kind of cunty little statement to say it. 
fuck that. Yeah. Never let that hold you back. But, um, and I mean, I'm saying this out loud because I obviously need to hear it as well. I, we've I'm, all got I'm it. I'm enjoying hearing No, but you know, this. we've all got it. We've all got it. We I've all sp- have our moments, yep. don't Where we? you are, you, there's an imaginary um, booing or a judging audience. And th- it just doesn't exist. And if it does exist, if there's like one person, for fuck example, them. who's like your nemesis who... Then you why know. the fuck would you care about they but think? then, do you know what? If they're not feeding, fucking, or financing you, mm-hmm. pay them no mind. Karen, so that that uh, externalised way of torturing yourself and holding yourself back, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is just that is a deeper symptom. A lot of, well, some people might become reclusives or like the hikikomori mm-hmm. that we're talking about. That might be the root cause is this idea of, they're paralysed by the idea of how people may judge them or they don't feel like they're um, acceptable enough to, to pass in society or something like that. Mm. I don't think that that's true for me. It maybe was when I was a teenager, you know, and you're just really uncomfortable in your own skin and, yeah. and so much of your worth seems to depend on your peers' acceptance and all that shit. Um, passing. Passing. Aha. Uh-huh. Just being able to, yeah, I know it's a, it's a strange word that is, it's got different connotations nowadays, maybe. But I mean them all. You know, mm. I just think that that way of being able to, especially when you're a kid and a teenager, um, you don't, you if you've got if you've got a bit of a personality or whatever, of course you want to um, express it. Mm-hmm. But if you're in certain situations like. For mine, it was for me. It was like a wee scheme outside Sterling, you know, a wee a hostile um, environment. Yeah, maybe. then you couldn't. That it was. It was about not drawing attention to yourself and not mm-hmm. rocking the boat, you yeah. know, because then you will be attacked. Mm-hmm. So whether that's based on how you look, how you think, how you speak, what your sexuality is, whatever, you just can't have that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, people would shout. Uh, people would shout at you if you wore a a cap or uh, this is pre like Ned caps right yeah. or if you wore sunglasses it was like who the fuck oh, do you think you are honestly exactly the same as where I grew up as well so you were not any marker of difference, difference. any marker of difference I got bloody racist abuse when I was I've at had school that. because it was such a homogenous mm-hmm. culture everybody was white everybody was from there mm-hmm. everybody was from the same kind of background so I was fucked mm-hmm. immediately without even having to be a goth or be a weirdo or be a introvert or anything like that. I always find those things, it makes me, it doesn't make me laugh, it's a bit as bizarre, like as a kind of white Scottish person, the amount of racism I've had because people have thought I was other, mm-hmm. right? Because I think I've maybe got slightly Mediterranean-ish look, look. But then you put me in any culture, anywhere, I suppose, around the Mediterranean and I'd randomly look like that culture. It's yeah, strange. Yeah. Uh, but I've had... Oh, I've even had Chinese abuse shit. I've had... I mean, you know. But then how many straight male friends of ours have been homophobically abused? Yeah. I mean, I know folk that have had their heads fucking kicked. Straight men that have had their uh-huh. heads kicked in for being gay. You know, so anyway, but that passing thing and not rock, and no wonder people want to hide. It was one reason as a child that I wanted to hide as well, you know. Same here, yeah, because you knew the outside. Well, there was world violence out there. Safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and definitely, you know, I spent a lot of my teenage years not leaving my bedroom because of that, but also because 
just feeling so uncomfortable in my own skin and, and feeling hideous mm-hmm. and having like real kind of body image issues. I think body dysmorphia at that age is enormous, eh? It's insane. I mean, I still have it. Like, Aye. I still got the, the leftovers from that. I mean, some days I won't leave the house because I know it'll take me so long to get ready mm-hmm. to the point that I feel like I am acceptable for view. Aye. That I'll just go, oh, it's not worth it. It's only Tesco. Aye. <laughs> You know, I'll just get a delivery. See, yesterday, I spent like 45 minutes to an hour getting ready uh-huh. to go to pick up my prescription from the pharmacy. I, I used to do that, and I still sometimes do, funnily enough. Even yeah. although I'm a shaved-headed, hairy-faced um, faggot <laughs> of a certain age. But um, the, the physical effort is a manifestation of the mental things that you're going through, eh? Yeah, you're trying to prepare yourself, yeah. aren't you? So it's it's... it's we're in the wings mm-hmm. getting and other days I can just pull on it and by that I just mean decide even coming here today deciding whether to wear like a t-shirt or a t-shirt and a hoodie right thinking that by wearing the hoodie that now this is unconscious I'm just bringing this forward this is like a session mm-hmm. right uh, the hoodie would make me blend in a little bit more and rather than just wearing and also not wanting bare arms really body stuff as well you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. Uh, that all goes into just getting out the door for somebody that is not apparently putting that up on, on kind of superficial... Uh, putting on the ritz. Yeah, in order to get out the door. It looks like they're not. But, you know, there's a lot of... It can sometimes take me three days. Conscious or subconscious yeah. decisions that go into it. And it's exhausting having to make all these decisions sometimes. That's why I have always thought and always wanted uh, just to pull on a burqa and get out. I'm not even joking, and I don't know if I've said this to you before, but I probably have. But I mean, we've both got really beautiful eyes, so we could just do them and then fuck off. And I don't mind doing my eye makeup. Me too. I could do that in my sleep, but I have actually thought just going on Amazon and buying a. a I always feel slightly racist, and I don't know why. And I would love to just cultural appropriation. That's it. But I'm like, but nobody would know it was me. Oh God knows, and you'd know. I'm not asked about God. No, and it's not God I would be offending. But yeah. I didn't give a flying fuck about the po- political and cultural associations with a bit of fucking fabric, I'm afraid. I don't Sometimes put it on. Sometimes you just want to go See, out. when we're finished this, mm-hmm. let's look and get, get them. Can we get matching burgers? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, baby, because dogs are, are haram. And, and I mean, I've looked into it. And, and <laughs> You've was, looked into it a lot, clearly. I, You'd have look, to leave him at home. I'd, I'd be walking the dog where <laughs> a big, long... Um, hijab or I've spoke about it in, in therapy as well uh, this urge to wear one right uh-huh. <laughs> and it's the most visible Fonzie. it's the most visible form of invisibility that you can get absolutely because, because you're drawing in this culture yourself, especially in this culture where we live well yeah. around where I live I've never seen a person wearing one less so where I stay less but, so where you but stay. still I mean it's it, it's it's a certain type of extreme visibility in our culture and invisibility but because it makes you anonymous though it's the anonymity anonymity of it and that's sometimes you just want to be able to leave the house and for nobody to know who you are nobody to be be able to make any preconceptions about you other than if someone's islamophobic and they go oh that's somebody wearing a bullet i don't like that but then it's nothing to do with who you are as a person that's being attacked i know 
if you're an imposter such as me and just covering your full body i get it covering every shape and curve and protuberance Mm -hmm. it's just like just kind of just move around the world not having any of that please Mm -hmm. you know i I do get it if you could pick your superpower whatever mine is always invisibility mm -hmm. me too but i I do get it i I, I do understand how a some Muslim women find it liberating. You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. idea that it's it's just you you move about unobserved and, and unfucking bothered. Unfettered by all these projections that people put on your appearance. <laughs> and then wear whatever you want underneath it and go go in those and then relax again, you know. Yeah. But uh yeah, there's that. Now there was something else that popped into my head there too. I think do you think we should we've actually probably covered most of them. But I wrote a wee list. I sent you a oh, wee can question. You read your list? Yeah, about the five reasons why we became hermits. The first one we have definitely covered. I said I've always retreated since I was a child, right? Yeah, same tick. So from you've said like even parties and stuff like that. The the way the way that made you feel, the way that they made me feel. I remember being five and in primary school, and walking around the world remember you know how kids are always got their hands on railings or walls and all that yeah you know? go on go on because i've got something similar aye but and i think they're genuinely trying to suss out the difference between inside and outside private public but that all means right they're trying yeah. to figure out and it's a sensory kind of understanding of a distinction between this and that for me safety within boundaries all that right you're trying to figure out and where you are and 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 what the rules of this space are and how you feel in that space and how it, it you know and the, the rhythmic kind of nature of it and all that and I, w- I used to do it walk around the the the, the walls at the school mm-hmm. sometimes you would see loads of kids that it was like it would become a thing that people did you know what i mean but i remember doing it on my own as a kid getting to a specific corner and then having this realization that this was it so i was five this you know, is it, what do you mean? I'm not exactly sure, right? But mm-hmm. I just had a, I maybe, I just, I maybe grew up really quick mm-hmm. or I realised I was alone in the world mm-hmm. or I, you know, something foundational and fundamental that shakes you down to that wee gap in your being. Mm. And I thought, oh, this feels different. And looking back i think i, I, I was realizing this is that maybe this is the beginning of everything changing you know this is maybe my first or second day at school or something mm-hmm. so i was figuring that out and what that meant and who i was and how things would change i don't know but it was it felt very formative i think yeah i can relate to that as well probably a similar age like five or something or four or something and being at school and at play times I would always just go off by myself mm-hmm. and I would, you know, do laps of a playground, just like walking along mm-hmm. the railings, peering through the railings. I used to pretend that there were ghosts that lived so behind I. the railings because it was like this, the field backed onto like the railway line and there was like loads of trees and people would dump their crap and probably jump. But we are little pagans. There. Yeah, and I used to go along there. I remember one of the ghosts I decided was a guy called George and I used to stand and talk to him and then I used to sit under trees and talk to the trees and ask mm-hmm. the trees for offerings. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> See, where did we get... I mean, I was exactly the same. I used to This walk... was before The Secret Garden. Yeah. This was just my true nature coming out. And I wasn't interested in playing football or catchy-kissy or no. any of the games with the kids. I just thought, this is a great time for me just to go around, nick about, explore my surroundings and make up some ghost friends. But this is... That, it, I would walk through the primary school. There was there was like a bit of waste ground, right, between that and the and the rest of uh, the village, and there were different ways to get there. The kind of main way they wanted you to go, mm. uh, the path up there, and then there was through gorse bushes and all that. Then there was round the other side of that, and I would go that way, and it was a a, a space between a fence and loads of trees. So it was a kind of wee walkway mm. between them where there was wildflowers and all that. And I would be singing hymns and talking to God and and talking to Pan, mm-hmm. you know, and realising that there were, that there was energy between things. Mm-hmm. And the light would look different. And it was, a, you know, a, a totally wee magical world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that, I think that that is definitely where, I mean, this hopefully sounds familiar to some of you, um, if not, then we're just too fucking... We've always known that, that we're weird cunts anyway, spooky bitches. <laughs> spooky bitches. <laughs> but that wee personal relationship with the beyond, the divine... Now, I'm a I'm god, whatever. I'm not a theist, right? So oh. I'm using... And when I say words like soul and god, I am using them in a very particular cultural way, not not because I believe that there is a soul or a God or etc. Just to express that kind but, of divine, intangible uh, thing. sparkly thing. And it made you feel sparkly as well. Did because you you're one with it, of course. When you were walking in, in the, in the it's forest enchanted. or something. I just, I, it felt magical. Mm-hmm. So of course we would be interested in that mm-hmm. and try to recreate that or it would feel familiar to us that, that um, being alone but not alone. You know, yeah. so as I said earlier, it wasn't, it wasn't, that feels more real to me than um, the everyday bullshit. Yeah. It's more, uh, it's bigger and it's, it feeds me. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, rather than depletes me. I mean, and I'm sure we've all got, th- we've all got, I mean, I suppose maybe that's why people go walking in nature and stuff. They don't maybe speak about it like this. But I'm guessing that's maybe something to do with oh, it. I think it's a very universal drive. I would be suspicious of anybody who couldn't relate to that. I've known people that really just cannot be alone. They don't know what to do. They don't know what it's for. They don't know what to do with themselves. People who don't like to be in nature. Well, on their own. Oh, right, because you know, I'll, I'll be perfectly fine there. I'm, I could go with you mm-hmm. and have a similarly Aye. nice experience. I know. But I don't get why everything has to be a bloody group activity. All the fucking time. All I know. the time, by so default. That, so that's one. Right, so there's one for me. What about uh-huh. you? you, you that, that's a shared one, well, really. that's a shared one, so we'll tick that off. That's both. I said my second one. We have covered all these fucking things, but let's go over it a little bit again. A lot of my work... A lot of the work I do requires alone time, whether that's writing, thinking, or spiritual stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They're all one and the same thing for me, really. But at times in my life, that did mean, if it was ceremonial magic or something like that, it would mean a lot of preparation, a lot of thinking, fasting sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, getting or making the right things, whether that be the right, Again, weapons, but the right tools or the right 
a robe to wear or mm-hmm. you know everything having to be made by the the person themselves all that kind of shit uh, so there's been periods in my life it's been that so a lot of time spent on that or whether it's met met other times in my life it's been meditation, meditation or yeah. learning about tarot cards and dedicating myself study. to that for you know mm-hmm. so i study mm-hmm. right it's been it's been spiritual study mm-hmm. uh, the older I'm, I'm getting it's been more that's all more integrated so it's more just about being mm-hmm. but still in a, in a magical way you know you've done the groundwork for it i think mm-hmm. kind of but 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 more i it's i definitely feel more like it's about integrating it rather than um an external I think certain times you need an external performance of all these things in order to get your head around it. Or to get in the zone. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that. So that's my second one. Yeah. And not to be a copycat, but no. to a lesser extent, probably I can relate to that. Because, yeah. again, all of the things that I like to do are solitary pursuits, apart mm-hmm. from this podcast. Yeah. You know, it's funny, is, but then we the decided one team sport that I can do, which doesn't feel like one. It doesn't. But I suppose that's maybe the best ones, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's a, it's not like it's, it's not like it's work or hard to be. But then that's just kindred spirits mm. as well. We're on the same page, eh? Yeah. So that will never feel like uh, effort or aye. anything. Can yeah. so third one I said too. You said this. I find people very draining. Yes, I definitely feel that although I do enjoy spending time with dear friends, mm-hmm. um, I'm better in small groups yeah. and one-to-one. Um, and I really do get a lot out of those interactions. Like after I spend time with you, I go home and I feel lighter. Mm-hmm. I feel happier. I feel nourished. All that sort of thing. Imagine feeling drained after... But I've I had some feel, friendships yeah, where some I have friendships felt that. you think, right, you're a small doses person. Aye. I can take you in small doses, but I need a day to just process all that shit and get your energy away from me. And those that's usually a tell that mm-hmm. those people are not the type of people that you should really be putting your energy And you get better at that. Again, again, with age, it's just, it's, I'm just Aye. sounding like a broken record, but I, I no longer will spend time with people that don't, where both people aren't sustained. Uh, fed. Not fulfilled. even just fulfilled. Yeah. I am the exact same, and it did take it's me a to be while. Both. It took me into my thirties, but now I'm very. It took me until the pandemic, really, to just think I'm going to be really selective about who I choose to to spend my time and energy with, and it's great. But definitely being out in public or being around people in a work situation, being around people that you haven't chosen to be around, yeah, is insanely draining to me. Mm-hmm. We're not really made for that. I mean, this is this rush to the city in the last couple of hundred years, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, we would have been out bumping into three or four folk a day maximum. Uh-huh. Uh, Tilling our fields, going to market. You know, your family occasionally fucking the next... I mean, we still would have been pissed off by them. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, they would have done their tits in just that, you know... So and so, dismantling my mud hut and building it another I'm yard it. down the I'm road. I'm <laughs> but um, you know, but it's, it's a lot. It's and a lot. Being we, we've not properly got the right coping. I mean, well, we do have the right coping strategies. Do. Guess what they are? Fucking medication. Yeah, but some people do. Some people really. Thrive I'm just going to pad over and get myself a little right, glass of wine. Top up your glass. 
I'm um, listening. But that's that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I don't do um, live music anymore, because I just found the the social element of it, which is really important, um, to be totally and utterly dis like ex I was going to say disgusting. Maybe that was a Freudian slip. Exhausting. Um, just having to to mingle in that kind of forced small talk and that. I don't know, I'm sounding As I said, really no, ungrateful people, and nasty. No, you're not. Just, you're just sounding realistic. I just, I'm not good at it. Do you know what I mean? I know my no, limits and I'm is, good at No, the funny thing is, you are good at it and I am good at these things as well and people think we're very sociable, right? And mm. we're, we are good at it, but it fucking draws the blood out of us. Yeah. You know, uh, and it probably does everybody, but some people do those activities that you're talking about for the social reason. Yeah. I like getting dropped in for a helicopter do whatever I'm paid to fucking do and then go. Yeah, same. But same. you've never been there. We've not been looking for pals or boyfriends in those situations. We just want in and out. In and you out, know? yeah. Um, that's the thing is like, I... Maybe I it's just a great big it. lie. Maybe nobody enjoys it. Well, I wish people would start being a bit more honest about it and make us feel less freakish. Actually, I don't care. No, I don't care. I'm, I'm and I do think folk now. do enjoy it. Can some that, people because, do enjoy it because it is an enjoyable thing for many reasons. But some folk love working people. in offices and all that as well. Uh -huh. They like the social, but they like going for a drink with the, the, the girls and the, the, the lads after work. No, I, I fucking, no. No, I'm like five o'clock. Hame uh, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't get, but then I have often found that these people do not have these other activities that sustain them. All these other um, close friendships that are unrelated real to the ones. day job. Aye, the deep real ones that are about the this pursuit thing that we we're talking about. This mm -hmm. kind of lone pursuit together. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't even know what you call it. Hey, we were saying. I suppose when I was younger, I did. I thought about being like a priest or a monk. I used to be really obsessed with the idea. Same, yeah. Were you? Uh -huh. I mean, I really liked the idea of becoming a nun. I thought they looked cool and I'd loved the idea I mean, of... very flattering outfit, similar to a bird. Exactly. Yeah. It must have been something about being being covered and left the fuck alone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that is it. You've summed up in a nutshell. Eh. I want to be covered up and left, left the, the fuck, fuck alone. alone. Um... <laughs> Uh, I don't want to be in, in a in, on a festival in Ibiza or something with oh my bikini on among God. some oiled, greased up, loud people jumping about. So that's that. That's a stick me in a cloister and leave me alone. I'd be happy why as do a I clam. think? I know. Why do I think they're the fucking weirdos? It is weird. <laughs> it is weird. It's no nice <laughs> being that. Physically close. Well, the re let's face it as well, every single fucking last one of them is out their fucking tits on pills and booze. Not, and I'm not judging pills and booze. No, right? very nice. But in order to be mm -hmm. in that... You've got to get fucking drunk or, or wrecked to be in that close proximity. And that's the same thing. Hence me saying yeah. about what we've got, how every person is on medication. Because... We cannot live this close to each other and, uh, and in this such such a fucking fake environment. Yeah. V fake social environment. It's killing us. Oh, that's the thing. And exactly like when I was talking about doing gigs and stuff, to be in that environment, I would have to have a drink in me. Um, but I don't like being drunk. Mm -hmm. 
I like to have a drink, but I don't like when it gets to that point that I'm drunk. Aye. Uh, and that you I don't even think I, I do it. not even think I've ever seen you drunk ever in all the years I've known you. And I have drank in Aye. your presence. But I've seen you. Um, but then I think probably like me, I, people don't know when I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah. I've never, I didn't really fall about her. I slave her the same amount of pish so far <laughs> as I do drunk. It's I, think like I the, just get louder and more jody, that's the only You difference. do actually, I've seen you like that, but I like uh-huh. that. I, that, that. See, I would. I suppose, but uh, I'm fucking always loud and common anyway. <laughs> One of my favourite, favourite times when I've seen you hmm. drunk. And we can edit this out if you want to, but I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of because it's an iconic moment. We were in that pub, which I will not name, but um, it's in Partick, and I think you were on the wine. I think we're in the company of, of some nice friends, and there was a guy... Did in... I make him show me his dick? No, no, no. Oh, no, that no, was no, me. No, there was some... no indecent exposure. Oh, God. But there was That's a guy rare. who was really annoying. To be fair, the police were really, <gasps> really busy. And you Oh, that were... stop. Don't say it because I know what you're going to say. But I've done that a few times. But I think that's brilliant. That's, I know. Honestly, that it makes me sound the... unhinged. I probably... It makes them sound unhinged, but... I, I can be. And I was correct. I fell a little bit more in love with you at that but moment. But I'm sure I've done that in front of you twice. Because I'm remembering something like that happening on a staircase. Oh, I love it. Going down another pubs. No, I think... You, you know what it is? I only ever do that when I see men acting like fucking animals. Yeah. And I just, I'm not six foot four and threatening in that way. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's a special little secret thing between me and the person that I'm with that they can see that there is a punitive Some equalisation. Yeah. (laughs) bringing and, and it's also funny and it's very primal ah, and I respect it's all of that the, the well, so do I you know what I was thinking about that the other day I'm sick of everything being so tidy mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, I like those wee bits I was thinking about another thing that I did that I'll tell you about um, later on yesterday actually you know when people say, "Oh, you're lying in bed and and all these all these embarrassing things that I've done come into my head," I'm like, "No." You're lying in bed, chuckling away at yourself, reminding remembering well, how you're iconic. You know, it's always <laughs> I know, but it's always like it's always it's never really based on you judging yourself. It's always because you're thinking somebody else's. There's externalized watching you, judging mm-hmm. you, or what the other person thought when you did well, you such and such. To have done yeah, something. right. Who so cares? that's ridiculous. Aye. Because if you're not embarrassed that you did it. If you enjoyed it at the time and found it a chuckle at the time, you know, or if you if you if you would do the same and not be seen and Uh wouldn't feel embarrassed, uh, then to to um, to be embarrassed based on these eyes that I don't know. It's like a guilty pleasure. It's only it's only guilty because you think that other people may make fun of you for it or or judge you or judge you. But if you genuinely don't care, I know. Then there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. It's just all pleasure. It's it's Lacan's um, injunction for the superego saying more, Aha. enjoy, enjoy. But yeah, exactly. I, I like a little bit of um, mess around the edges. I think to to be some kind of fucking. Uh, it's the opposite of repression, isn't it? Is yeah, that... you need to let the 
the shadow and the id you out a little bit. You need to let your asshole hang out now and again. Every now and again. I think it's more it's it's more mentally healthy and it's it's um, more realistic. Mm. You know, I that that's been my thing recently. More been, of that. <laughs> more of that. And it's again, it's like once it's like a once in a blue moon thing. It's a this or that. It's not a if it if you were at that level of an arsehole all the time then, then it would lose its pizzazz yeah and, and you're just an arsehole but uh-huh. like we all our arse we've all got a bit of us that is so you need to let let your freak flag fly every now and again and mm-hmm. if that involves spitting in your hand and slinging at the back of a fucking <laughs> a, <laughs> a, a rugger bugger oh, a rugger bugger a rugger bugger's back because he's sexually harassing one of your friends then fucking do it just because he was too close to our table. No, no, I must have clocked something. You must have seen. Well, you don't have to justify it to me. To be honest, if you want to the sling, only time if you I want to spittle at someone merely for invading your personal space, I see nothing wrong with. That I've only ever done it if if um, somebody's been harassing a, a, a friend of mine. You yeah. know, so I think I think I must just have thought you're. I would have been, I've done it. I do it when I'm protective. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's like, it's like a snake's venom, isn't it? I love it. The skunks. Well, the thing is, if you spat on their back, mm-hmm. they would hear you, right? So you spit in your hand and then sling it at their back. Yeah. And nobody's none the wiser. And then it's funny as fuck because they're still stoning around, cock of the walk, thinking that they're fucking brilliant and untouchable and that. But everyone around them has just seen all this, these globs of spittle and phlegm that on I their back. I would never... It's ever, ever do anything other than the, the lovely sweet water at the front of the mouth. I would never go for the back oh, of the no, throat. Oh, no, get a big greenie, no, I, I would couldn't. say go for even it. The word, even a, see, when I see, you, I know you don't watch porn. There's a lot of spitting in pornography these days, right? And see if I see somebody going anywhere near the back yeah, of the throat. Yeah, but you don't, you don't, you can spit on someone in a porny way, but you don't actually phlegm on them. I wouldn't phlegm on anybody. You can't phlegm on anyone. I wouldn't, because... Some people might get turned on by, like, swallowing oh, someone's phlegm. When it's all porridge. I wouldn't even do that to somebody I hate, but, like, a little love spit mm-hmm. on your hand and then slung at the back of a cunt's fucking rugby shirt. That's all right. <laughs> now, What fine. about reason number four? Reason number four. No wonder I can't get a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, the next one is fingers burnt through past relationships. Uh-huh. Right, so this is another reason why uh, I am a hermit. Um, now, and it's a very specific thing. It's not, oh man, blah, 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 blah. I once stayed with somebody uh, when I was very, very young, right? An ex that I was with for a long time. Um, it was his house mm-hmm. and the relationship was ending he was severely extremely mentally ill and I was 20 years younger than him mm. and he asked me to leave right now I was ready to leave anyway yeah uh, but he did and there was a feeling in my belly and I thought nobody will ask me to leave ever again nobody will have that, have that amount of power over my sense of safety and security Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it was just a never ever again because although I'm a Sagittarius as we discussed uh, quite often but with cancer rising I really need a real home sense of security and mm-hmm. homeness you know yeah. uh, so somebody pulls that rug from under me and it, it's unforgivable for me and I'm out mm-hmm. you know so that 
that kind of did it. And also the fact that uh, that in relation to all the other shit that we spoke about, because I need time to do stuff, mm-hmm. I need time on my own where there's not somebody with me. Yeah. You know, a, a relation. My idea of heaven would be two people, two houses, moving back and forward between the two. One in the city, one outside. Mm-hmm. Two people. Tr- if, if, I mean, heaven, I'm saying that as if, as if my idea of heaven's been in a relationship. It's not. But um, if it was in one, I would need two houses yeah. and movement happening between the two. Uh, yeah, so that's my that's my fourth one. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Would you stay with somebody again? I don't know. I don't know. I think you'll know in a year when you really, really start appreciating this. I think that I already appreciate that sense of stability and security and knowing that it's empowering, isn't it? To your mood and atmosphere, uh-huh. your, the psychic atmosphere of this house, right, which is yours, yeah. cannot be touched or influenced by anybody else, right? Yeah. How nice is that? So I think you'll really start feeling that in here. I think this all, so. I came in, I came in here, and when I knew I was coming here today, I already started feeling great because I love the atmosphere here. Everyone who's came in here has said that it's just got a really nice positive feeling about it and even when I first moved in um, I was sensitive to that and I thought no I think the, the past owners of the house are happy and have cared and for have this cared for it. and there's a lot there's been a lot of love here and a lot of happiness and a lot of yeah I just feel that peace here and I think although my is it fourth fourth reason isn't exactly the same as yours mm-hmm. um, I can relate to it in the sense that I need to be able to control my environment. Mm-hmm. Um, see, being in an in an environment that I don't have any influence over, but I mean, I'm even just talking about, you know, your workplace or other environments that you find yourself in or that you have to be in for whatever reason, and you can't control the noises, mm-hmm. the sounds, the lighting, yeah, and um, the smells. All the kind of sensory things about the environment. Um, See, really you and I, I mean, isn't everybody on the spectrum, but he, listen to you, and I'm kind of going over the things that I said. We, I like to control, I mean, who doesn't really? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I'm very, very sensitive to them. Yeah. Uh, particularly, maybe it's about getting older as well, but particularly sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was describing that, pancakes at three o'clock in the morning thing it was the sound thing that was the big sensory memory really for me that that hush mm. you know and being able to get up and indulge in it mm-hmm. that that that's um nothing to do with anybody else you know not waking mm-hmm. anybody getting out the bed or anything like that i don't know but i also don't see there's that thing i don't need witnessed by somebody in order to be valued mm-hmm. you know so i know people that that have that cannot, as I said, cannot be on their own and have been in relationships that went from one to the other to one to the other and not really spent much time on their own. And I think it shows, mm-hmm. you know, I think it shows. Uh, uh, um, there's also the opposite thing. You didn't want to become a control freak weirdo in your environment. No. You know? And certainly, like, even though I like to be able to control the sensory aspects of the environment like I like things to smell a particular way I like the lighting to be a particular way if I put a knife down on the wrong surface you wouldn't have a nervous breakdown 
No, I would be able to cope with it, but then I would put it back later. (laughs) And curse me. I wouldn't curse you because you don't know any better. See, my my thing is, I like it to be the way, I love my house to be the way that it is. I'm not a clean freak or anything like that, right? But, you know, everything in it, it, I love, and it has its place. Uh, but when people come, I'll, I'll love them doing whatever they want. Doesn't really? it? I doesn't it bother me at all? Um, I, that's my sense of. There's only one fucking thing that I will not have. You're getting very angry now. I know Is because it, it drives me it fucking be crazy. Bad. Well, I accidentally have things that in places that they shouldn't be. Right, like on my uh, the kind ottoman of thing. Aye, yeah. I always end up putting a fucking really light like throw or something over that and then the tray or whatever right and i'm like that's just mental but anyway that's the way it is so i watched that so the idea that somebody would drip something on it right a dripped thing somebody not using a plate or realizing the thing they're eating or drinking is Mm -hmm. spilling or dripping that does my fucking head in other than that don't give a fuck (laughs) honestly (laughs) but folk that didn't or people like i would not now I've done it here, right? But I'm, oh no, I'm, I'm a weirdo. But it's not just me. What I, do you mean? I was going to say, I'm funny about coasters. Well, the reason why you don't have to use a coaster is because I've got that my table washes top, easy. And exactly, that's and a good thing that washes wash. easy. But if this was on my coffee table, there would be a the coaster. glass top, good. I have coasters See, there. folk that don't use coasters, shoot them. Well, do they like to get those like kind of ring watermarks on On wood? everything? No. Do you know what I mean? Savagery. I, just think, I know. Disgusting. Barbarians. So things so like fo- that. That's the fourth. And I don't like the big light on. Never. And I don't like. I think we should just fucking rip them out the uh-huh. ceiling. I don't like fluorescent lighting. I don't like unflattering lighting. Um, you know things like if I'm cold because I'm quite often more cold than I am warm. Because you're wee. Because I'm I'm wee and I'm from a hot climate, so I'm not used to this horrible place. Um, when I'm already cold and people go open a window mm-hmm. and I'm just like. I know. <laughs> unacceptable to me do you know all these things are just like background noise or so if I've got the radio on or something or listening to the music and then someone's talking at the same time I'm just like no one sound at a time please mm-hmm. I know I, I can maybe I have got a touch of the artist a wee bit I can do th- three sounds I'm fine with that I, I'm quite I can do I can do multi-frequencies um, that doesn't bother me but if you don't use a coaster I'll chop your fucking dick off. I remember someday in my old house, but I had essentially made about nine different dips for scratch. And this person... Oh, no. Oh, no. Did they di- cross-contaminate the No, dips? that doesn't bother me, but they were, dip- they were dipping something on the table. Uh-huh. And they were sitting about a metre and a half away from it. Yeah. And so they never even put their hand under the thing that had the dip on it and just dripped. They were dripping dip? Continually dripping what back and forward. What kind of absolute peasant did and you that, have in your house? And that person said to me, you don't like me. No, I don't like you because you can't feed yourself properly. And I said, you wouldn't be in my house if I didn't like you. And they said it three times. I said, you've now convinced me I don't fucking like you. Yeah, you've persuaded me now. Get out. See, when somebody says... But, I hate... Why would somebody say that to you? Like, what answer do you want? Would you want me to do? 
How more comfortable can I make you? You're in my fucking house eating my chips and spilling like them out. Take your socks off and lick your toes. I don't understand. Who, who even thinks that that's socially but acceptable you know what? to say? If somebody said that to me, just go. I don't. I would go. Well, actually, get out my house. I was on the fence, but now you've convinced, you've convinced me. me. I don't like you. Please leave. You're harsh and my mellow man. What the get fuck out. are you supposed to say to that? <laughs> No, I love you. You're amazing. Let me let me listen. But how the empty would that? You know, it's just like so. You want just me to be empty with you? Why would you? Why would you even say that to somebody? See, if I suspected that somebody didn't like me, you wouldn't be in their house. I'd keep it to my fucking self, and then I wouldn't come back. I know. Oh, folks. see, that's folk. why we're fucking folk. hermits. The right. main reason. Do you know what? List these five reasons, but ultimately, I can answer it with one word: folk. I know. Right. So, what's your number five? The thing that finally convinced me, and probably the main, you spoke about it earlier on, is a little bit of a reset, and it definitely happened for me. Covid. Uh-huh. And the forcing back in on oneself. It forced us to reassess everything, reassess mm. our connections with the outside world, etc, etc, and realise how little we need of it. For me, anyway. You know? Mm. So for me, there was that, and then there was also big revelation I've never spoke about, although I don't think... Uh, complex PTSD for me, yeah. right? Where the, um, just f- where you are in your life, if a lot of traumatic things have happened to you through your life by the time you get to my age and one more happens, then it could be the straw that broke the camel's back. Or for me, it was just the one that confirmed that folk are cunts. Yeah, you and know, you're just like, no more. I've had enough. I need, I need more time to heal and figure out who I am and where I am. And you can only do that in isolation. Exactly. And that wee thing that I, I said the other day to make your healing your priority, you know. Especially, as I said, I'm not a people pleaser in that shitty sense, but as somebody that definitely has spent a lot more time putting a lot of my energy in other people if and their healing, healing then your own. it's funny when you start to say it feels selfish and odd at first and then you get uh-huh. really fucking good at it you get into it yeah because it does feel alien and for, for a lot of reasons that we might have been conditioned to see that as as selfish or self-absorbed or something but within buddhism and within most religious kind of um, practices well that idea within meta right the idea mm-hmm. that you or, or the the prayer that you um, go and going for refuge you say you start off with yourself right you've uh-huh. got may i be free from suffering and the causes of suffering you know yeah it's it's, it's got to start there to say that you've got and it's that thing it's a cliche but you've got to get your own life jacket on before you and can help anybody it else outwards from you well you're no good even the, the advice you give the things you mm-hmm. say the, the the support that you try to give it's, it's all going to well it's all going to be colored by your lack of healing if you've not mm. healed first. Your you know, own baggage, of your course. Own bitterness and yeah. So but, you think you're doing the right thing. But we all do it because it is easier to focus on helping, fixing, saving another person because you feel like maybe the job of helping, feeling and fixing yourself is insurmountable. See, that you say that a lot, right? And my mind automatically says no it's not that which means it's got some resistance to it right okay that's interesting i no, i've noticed that um i think you've said it some similar twice today and you said Am it the, just a broken record? no 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 because we're talking about a very a specific thing right mm-hmm. and it's and and you said it the other day and i always there's a bit of me that goes wants to say no 
and it was just when you added on the last wee bit there about it feeling uh, insurmountable, mm-hmm. the kind of overwhelmingness of the brokenness, mm-hmm. let's say, right, that just made me kind of go, ah, that's maybe where the truth of it is for me. Right. Where I start, where I think, because it's not, because for me, the bit before that, my brain goes, no, it's not because I'm avoiding healing me, right? Yeah. Uh, because I try. But um, that last wee bit you added on there made me think, oh, but it's the trying harder. It's the extra bit of taking it further because it feels so fundamentally broken and insurmountable mm-hmm. that you need to do the extra wee bit. Well, that is the wee, the extra wee bit. I'm mm-hmm. saying, saying wee bit, mm-hmm. but it's but that it's extra mile I, that, that I'm willing to go this time, you uh-huh. know? So that would be the reason why uh, I may come across and may look like and act like a hermit. Uh, but it's an order, maybe an order finally not to be, you know. Not by that meaning go back out into the world. I mean, not be crippled by it. And I'm not, yeah, but not, not. But having but all of the... All of the um, I'm quite willing to take time to take out all the thorns. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that I'm, there's then going to be dramatic weight loss, hair transplant, and back out into the world. Uh, Go to Turkey, get your teeth I, done. And turkey get teeth. a twink boyfriend. And all of a sudden... Uh, See you in the polo lounge. Everything's, and everything's wonderful. It's like, no. I am quite willing to be um, wounded and healing and real. I think that the ultimate goal, whether you remain hermetic or not, is just to live in a way that is in alignment with your truest self. Mm-hmm. Do and what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt. And, you know, not because it's in reaction to other people or because it's defending yourself against potential um, traumas or anything like that, but just because this is what brings you purest joy well that's the the goal eh? i mean it's it's slowly you could say meditating you could say thinking you could say exploring your shit Mm. getting your hands in it Mm -hmm. whether that's through therapy or whatever else you do Mm -hmm. in order whether just walking and thinking on your own in order to push through it to deal with it and look at it and walk through it and get past it and purify it and yeah. accept it with curiosity all and of that compassion. definitely the most important thing and i was speaking to a friend about this the other day uh, the compassion for the broken bits yes. right uh, i think it and i think it's so easy to judge them and move on or try to better them and move on you need to have compassion for the bits that are that are broken that got you here Mm-hmm. I think uh, it would be so easy to feel shame or not easy. I mean, it's it's maybe natural, habitual. you know, I habitual to jump to shame and to or to jump to avoidance or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But just uh, to to accept with compassion those things. Mm-hmm. The way that that we do accept with compassion the difficult things in a friend yeah do that with yourself hey 
So that that's maybe it. I mean, it's lo- it's a long, slow process, but that we have been on this journey, you and I, then mm-hmm. since we popped it into the world. Mm-hmm. You since we became aware, you and I, four five, right? We're 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 beginning to become properly conscious of uh, of a, a, a kind of growing self or a sense of self, and we've been wondering what that is and how that not fits into the world, but what it means when that is in the world. Mm-hmm. And our relationship to the world and yeah. everyone and everything in it. So if you two are like this, <laughs> you have definitely came to the right fucking place. We are trying to examine and explore this and all its manifestations through loads and loads of uh, different lives uh-huh. and different ways of dealing with these um, turns back to the self. It's funny when you open up the box, you see how common it is you yeah. know it's um and it, and it and it's for many many different reasons i'm interested in them all mm-hmm. uh, because there's a little bit of truth in them all mm-hmm. you know and it's very it's very human mm-hmm. uh, whether it comes from being hurt being let down wanting to reject not finding the thing um, valuable or just wanting to step to the side and have a wee quiet think about about what's going on rather than just joining the flow, mm-hmm. you know. And it, all those other reasons, we uh, we need that time to do it. I think if you don't, um, if you don't take that time, the world will break you. Mm-hmm. These are these, these are because these are we're doing these things because we want to be strong. We want to reveal our strength. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not it's not from. Um, as I say, it's about not being a her- weirdly. It's about finally not being a hermit, and by that I don't mean being out in the world, but I maybe mean not being a stranger to yourself. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's kind of why we're examining all these different figures through history and looking at the reasons why they became hermits or you know recluses or. It might not have been a lifelong thing. It could have just been a period of time where they felt mm-hmm. they had to shut the world out. And like you said, the reasons are really um, varied. You know, it could be from it could be a reaction to something external, or it could be needing to go inward in order to pursue something. And you know, in some cultures, I'm just thinking, like within it certain, can be a rite of passage. Well, in certain Buddhist cultures, it is. I mean, you become a monk for a year or whatever. You know, mm. uh, a monk or a nun for a year. Uh, I don't think that's a. That's the, the equivalent would be like forced conscription in various, like European and you know when you get made or as as in Israel you get you've got to join the army for. There's all you know that's the the, the closest we get. It's to, cross, like crossing the bridge between childhood and adulthood. It, it is like a rite of passage thing, and and some cultures do a thing where they have to go out into the wilderness and and learn how to survive by themselves. But imagine, and I hope it doesn't get lost, the idea that in certain Buddhist countries where there is that one year mm-hmm. uh, retreat to the monastery, you know, to as a. I was going to say to figure things out. It's maybe to give you some fucking skills in order to cope. Because imagine yeah. then, imagine go. I mean, to to be able to go to a place to, pro, I mean, obviously it's within the culture, that, but to properly focus on things that will, ideas and techniques that will maybe help you deal with 
the sometimes painful nature and mm. dissatisfactory. Building that inner strength and inner self-reliance. Do you know, I think they should bring that back. I mm-hmm. think solution to society's ills force everybody <laughs> to be a monk or a yeah and it doesn't have to be uh, in any kind of religious order it's just force somebody into a cloistered contemplative life heaven for a year where you do you know menial manual tasks like gardening I don't know, scrubbing graffiti off walls or just something bullshit. <laughs> something like punitive. Some, <laughs> vaguely punitive, but something that you can, you know, travel to that kind of trance like thinking, not thinking state. And do that for an entire year. Teach convicts how to knit. That's what. <laughs> Teach convicts how to knit. Um, yeah, crocheting's really big right now. <laughs> they could have their own Etsy shop. No, but I wonder, I mean, I suppose they're trying to bring things like mindfulness and stuff and a um schools eh? they're trying to bring it to schools and i'm like it's the environment is the antithesis is the problem of this and not so the school i mean a school is just based on a fucking prison you know bells going and people getting near enough locked into rooms and getting controlled Uh controlling mad mental kids for half the day and then setting them loose on society yeah you know uh but I suppose they try they try it like like that, but uh, I don't know. Even even as the venerable Rubina Corton would say, even a sniper needs mindfulness. I mean, it doesn't necessarily. Can we get that on a t-shirt? I know it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't. What watching the mind, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? Either good or bad. It's mm-hmm. just a thing. It's totally. It's totally um, neutral. Neutral. Aye. Actually, and even within Buddhist philosophy, it's called an, it would be a neutral um, state of mind, you know. Uh-huh. And they're, they're hard to define, but it's just that. It, it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't bring any benefits of, of its own, mm-hmm. you know. This idea that it does, mind I was speaking to you about being given a, a wee kind of thing by my therapist mm. that was about creating a compassionate um, ideal within you. Essentially, for a Buddhist perspective, it would be like, having an image of a bodhisattva or something, a, 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 an ideal, compassionate... Even even just thinking of the Shakyamuni Buddha, right? Mm-hmm. Even just thinking of um, the, um, the historic Buddha uh, as an ideal that that is there and gives absolute compassion and all that. And I was like, these things are great uh, to a certain extent, but I hate the idea of Buddhism. You know, secular Buddhas, you're a more mindful banker. It doesn't even, or, or a more mindful slave owner. Or, it's like, that doesn't give you any more, um, like, I hate to say it, but it's true, a, kind, a more ethical way of living or being, or more, doesn't it bring compassion, Not mindfulness? Not in an unethical, unequal no. society. It's, so this yeah. secular Buddhist shit can fuck the fuck off and I went and I told I was saying that to my therapist and she said what was it that bothered you I said the fucking ting shows you know those wee bell ting yeah like that get to fuck <laughs> can I mean like what uh, ting show me no ting shows <laughs> like, or all of a sudden like a fucking um, gong. A, a gong bowl uh, thing oh one of the singing bowls get to fuck yeah you know it, all of a sudden you do that and that makes the thing that happens spiritual or it's got those associations and i'm like 
I, I just think it, it does Buddhism a disadvantage. Number one, why would you, in a world that didn't matter, right? Or where there wasn't such, where compassion wasn't important, unless you just want to learn how to be a more mindful murderer. You know, <laughs> that you can cope, you can cope with being a cunt. Mm-hmm. If it helps you be a, a better, a, a, health, happier a happier cunt, mm-hmm. then good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, Ding! I know. <laughs> Gong. But it's like, what the fuck? It doesn't break. These things don't bring in an ethical dimension. So it's just cheap. It's the equivalent of fucking how big Prozac was in the 90s. Yeah. You know, mindful. Mindful eating. Don't, I know. Take that fucking goop pish and shove up your ass. Shove it up your candle Anal scent. chakra. <laughs> your goopy, whatever. Your goopy hoop. <laughs> but hey, I think that was supposed to be a short one and we have had a lovely conversation. We hope you have enjoyed it. Um, if you've gotten this far, congratulations. Good for fucking you. Good for you. So we will be rejoining you with an episode about... Emily Dickinson. Yes. And all of the reasons why she became a recluse for the last 20 years of her life. And who knows, some of her reasons might overlap with ours. And yours. We shall see. Okay, but for now, we We hate hate you. you. Goodbye. Bye.